You're listening to The Hoof of the Horse, a podcast dedicated to farriery and equine science with Dr. Simon Curtis. Our episode today is sponsored by the Hoofcare Essentials Foundation and their partners, Red and Blacks. I first began my relationship with Sweden in 1985 when I won a Worshipful Company of Farriers educational award and I used the money to travel to Sweden to study in Helsingborg at the Equine Hospital there. Since that time I've maintained a good uh, link and relationship with the farrier industry in Sweden and about 10 years ago I began having students in their third year at the school, the BYS school I should say in Skara, uh, come over and spend a few days getting lectures, uh, touring Newmarket and also having quite a good time and I also every couple of years returned to the school there to give a series of lectures. So I built up a good relationship with Gunilla Afklin who runs the school and Per Hopman who I'm interviewing in the podcast and the other teachers at the school. Uh, You'll see in this podcast or here in this podcast that Per is still very much involved with the school, teaching part-time, acting as chairman of the board And he tells us about the history of the school, which has a long and distinguished history. But of course, he also tells me about how he began, where he started, and the fact that he actually trimmed cattle. And he really saw the end of the working horse in Sweden. So I hope you'll enjoy this first podcast that I have recorded uh, with a Swedish farrier, We have just finished uh, my clinic in Skara, here in Sweden, uh, which I did at the BYS school uh, and in conjunction with the Swedish Farriers Association. Uh, So I've taken the opportunity to come out and to speak with Per Hopman, who has been associated with this school for a long time, and we're going to talk about all things Swedish farriery. Good morning, Per. Good morning. Thank you for having me. Am I pronouncing that correctly now? Yeah, you do. Good. Okay. Almost, at least. (laughs) I'm sure there'll be other mispronunciations. So I know that um, you've been a farrier a a very long time, but before you were a farrier, you actually started as a printer, didn't you? Yeah, I started as a printer at our local newspaper in my hometown. But uh, at the end, I worked there for eight years, but all the time I was... Uh, very interested in horses and I couldn't get a farrier for my family's horses so that's why I started to show a little bit and then it went to a turnover so I had to more or less get a professional and at the time I went to the farrier school in Sweden. And was that this one here in Skara? That's the one in Skara, yes it was. Okay, so you've sort of come full circle really? Yeah, I'm circled around, yeah. (laughs) Okay, so, so tell me what year was that that you started to I started uh, in 1982 and was finished in 1983 and at that time we, the, the course was only 40 weeks. Yeah, but uh, 40 weeks full-time at the college? F- full-time, 40 weeks, yes. Yeah, but that's still longer college time than most families Yeah, have. it was. And at that time we had to make shoes, make tools, how to learn how to trim and shoe, of course, and uh, also cattle trimming. 
So. Yeah, I know that you you told me uh, earlier uh, this weekend that mm. you used to trim cattle. So uh, something I've never done. Well, actually, that's not true. I trimmed, helped to trim one Watusi, which are these little longhorn cattle. Okay, yeah. Mm. The first time I came to Sweden. Oh, okay. In the eighties, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. so so maybe I was trimming cattle at the same time as yeah, you. Yeah, you're probably. But that was one foot on mm-hmm. one. So tell me about uh, cattle trimming. Well, at that time, it was very hard work because nowadays you, you have a more uh, up-to-date technique to do this. But uh, when I started, uh, it was a thing to do because I, we had a lot of small farms in my area with perhaps 20 cows and uh, that maybe had a couple of horses for the kids or something like that. So that was a day's work, actually. And uh, it was with Klubbanklinja, uh, so as we say in Sweden, was uh, you have... Uh, uh, big knife actually, and to cut the way. Oh, a towing knife. Yeah, towing knife. Yeah, towing knife. Yeah, that's. You hit that's, it with a mallet. Yeah, mallet. yeah, that's right. Okay. He did mm, at that time. So. But they they were put in a crush. Yeah, they put in the crush. You had to tie the legs very hard, of course. Yeah. And then you have a wooden uh, crush to take the knife against, so to speak. So. Okay. Uh, yeah. Mm. So it was a quite tough job. It was so at the 20, at my with my speed of 20, 25 cows a day it was my limit actually at that time. But you did tell me it was quite good money. It's quite good money, it was. And you get a decent meal, of course, because we work with farmers, you always get a good lunch, of course, coffee. And it was, it was a very nice time, actually, it was. Because at that time, the farmers wasn't that busy. They had the time to talk, and it was a very, very nice time, it was. It made quite a lot of money, yeah. So why did you stop doing it then? Because the time came when the, the small farms disappeared and you got these milk factories more or less and uh, uh, then you got to have a lot of more up-to-date technique and equipment so uh, it was actually uh, my it was too big investment for me that's why i stopped so, and i like the horses more even though so so that's why i went over to only horses because I think you said to me now, guys here in Sweden work in pairs on the cattle. They do, yeah. And they will get through 90 Yeah, 80 to 100 cattle a day, actually. Yeah. yeah. So that's amazing. But they have uh, tools for it now. They're not, uh, there's electrical tools for yeah, it. Yeah, they have yeah. mechanised. Me- mechanised a lot. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Well, why do you think we haven't started using those on horses? Well... I think that some people have tried it in the Belgian horses, actually. They yeah, have. On the Belgian horses. On the Belgian horses. But yeah, big heavy horses, yeah. Tried a little bit the same technique. But I think don't think thoroughbreds or standardbreds. No, I think no, they'll, no. they'll jump on our head if we yeah, Oh, yes, they, they're, they're going to try to kill you. <laughs> yeah. So, so you was, then you moved over to more shoeing horses, and you were there at the tail end, really, of the working horse. Yeah. You were in Sweden, weren't you? Yeah, at that time I lived in the south of Sweden. We still had quite a lot of draft horses down there. These old guys was very proud of the horses, of course. So, And then they had a lot of breeding, of uh, even in um, uh, warm bloods. So at, uh, they, they, uh, they, I think they were the last farmers who really breeding horses for... Living, so to speak. And, and you said to me they were their their fathers and grandfathers had been breeding for the yes. Swedish army. Yes, there was a, exactly because there was a big tradition, especially in south, south and the southeast of Sweden, to breed for the Swedish army. And at that time, early 1900s, it was easy to, to sell horses, of course. So most of the farmers could have a, well, it's not unusual to have 20, 30 horses 
Mm. So uh, young horses, of course, and that when I tried to trim, it was a little bit uh, tricky because they were not t- um, tame. They was quite yeah, wild actually. Yeah, still unbroken. Yeah, unbroken. Yes, yes. That's yeah, right. that's that's not a lot of fun. No. Um, mm. But obviously that life came to an end. The Swedish army has still has some ceremonial horses. Yeah, yes, yes, for ceremonials. Like, like the British no, army, really. No, no. Uh, we just put on a few parades in London and what have you. But um, quite clearly, the military use of horses has disappeared. I think that's dis- disappeared totally. Yeah. yeah. Although you know, the British army has just started re-employing pack horse ponies. They do because there are places that you cannot get weapons and arms easily in okay. mountainous. So, okay, makes sense. Yeah, so mm-hmm. they've just started to do that after a gap of I don't know twenty, mm-hmm. twenty or thirty years. Mm-hmm. So maybe the horse will come back to the army. Who knows? Who knows? Okay, so we've been at BYS or shortened to Biz. Mm-hmm. You can tell me the name in full, please, in, mm-hmm. in Swedish. In Swedish, it's Biologiska Yrkeshögskolan. Okay, so that's. Um, can you tell me what that translates as? That's translated. It's a rough translation. It's a, a, a trade school for grown-ups in the green movements. Uh, the okay, green, in, yeah. in farming or in farming agriculture, agriculture uh, and then, uh, well, environmental stuff and all that. Yeah, yeah. So we have a they're quite wide school actually. So the the, the farrier school is the biggest one we have. But it is bending over quite a lot, actually, different wood making or making furniture or whatever it is. And, and, and one part of the, the school is attached to the trotting track, isn't it? Yes, it is. We so have our main facilities out on the racing track, yeah. trotting track. Now, uh, you and I both believe and don't think it's an exaggeration to say that uh, the Farrier School here at Skara is probably the oldest in the world, isn't it? I think so. I believe it is, because it started, the, uh, in Skara it started in 1765, I think it was. Yeah. And there was a guy, it was Peter Hernquist started it, and he was pupil from Carl von Linné, who uh, had this study about flowers and organizing all that. So, And he started a vet and farrier school in Skara. And uh, that was, uh, it's like, say, 1765, so quite a long time ago. And I think it's quite fun because at that time you couldn't support yourself and your family in, in being a vet or farrier, so they had to play, learn how to play the organ too. To, to yeah, play in the I was told that, that story yeah. that he he actually played the organ in the church yeah. on a Sunday and received a fee for that. That's that's how he supported his family. Yeah. Yeah. So mm-hmm. things have gone on a long way. Uh, the the veterinary school is no longer here in Skara, is it? It's moved no, no. To, this moved to Uppsala. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've been there, and mm-hmm. um, but you have a wonderful museum here in Skara, and and there's still a lot of education here. There's a university. Oh yes, here. yes, there's a lot of, of um, researching from the university. Yeah, here. farm yeah. research. Farm researcher. Yes. Um, and as I say, so you have a big school, and I think you told me you have currently uh, eighty plus students. Something like 70, 80 plus, something like that, yeah. Yes, yeah. yes. So, at, the, at the farrier school, yes, yeah. Yeah. Now, I wonder if you can tell us something about the system of training here in Sweden of farriers. Mm-hmm. We have just a couple of years ago upgraded the, the school up to three year, And it starts up with, the, we have uh, the first semester they go is just the uh, theoretical subjects mostly, and after that they get out to what we call the to master farrier. They okay. do, and uh, 
they actually split the time more or less between the master fair and the school. So they are a couple of months perhaps at the, in the real world and then they go back to the school. And that's how it works more or less for three years. So tell me, how does the school find farriers to take the students? Or is it the other way around? Do the, do the farriers come to you? No, we, we yeah, the both actually. But we try to get approved farriers. Of course we do, as much educated as possible. But we had some part of Sweden can be a little bit tricky to find good uh, masters. Yeah. To get there. But uh, we have uh, our... Um, Main goal is to have approved by the government farriers to, to be our master. Okay. Yeah. And so I think that you they they are expected to carry on with their education at the the tool master farriers, aren't they? Are they supposed to come in and do some training? Yeah, yeah, they are. Oh yes, oh yes. Mm. And what sort of training do they get? They get. Uh, we, we try to get that type of training so that we can have the use for the students to. Yeah. At the field, so to speak, there. Mm. So are they, are they trained how to teach? We, we try to get that. We, we are struggling a little bit with that part, but it, we really, that's a goal to have, uh, yes, to try to learn them how to educate other people, because that's the tricky part. It is. Even if you're a good tradesman, you can't, uh, perhaps you can't uh, take it way further to the students. Well... I know there, there's, uh, a, you know, there's this saying in English about mm. monkey see, monkey do, and that was some training for a long yeah, time. Yeah, okay, yeah. Don't mm. you dare ask whoever's training you. And that was across all trades, mm -hmm. whether it was carpentry or, or whatever, plumbing. Don't you dare ask your master, you know, what mm. to do. You just watch them yep, and learn. Yeah, yeah, And, of course, that's a terrible way of learning. Mm -hmm. um, and it suits some people, um, some trainers, because... Mm. If they don't know much themselves, they don't want to be questioned. Mm -hmm. um, but we have a thing in the UK, and it's called Train the Trainer. And our, all our farriers now um, who want to have apprentices have to go through it. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm not sure of, of how good the course is, um, because I've now pulled out of having apprentices, so I, I don't have to go on that mm -hmm. course. But So there are similarities, and as we know, a lot of farriers do things uh, intuitively, so there are some really good teachers, mm -hmm. but that's unfortunate for, the, for some young people when they don't get a good teacher. They might have a very good farrier that they yeah, work yeah. with, mm. but he's not a very good teacher. Mm. So it, it's a struggle all over the world, really. To I, get, think to get I think it is. I think it is. But it's interesting to hear how you do it. So, mm. so now the course in Sweden is three years, isn't yes. it? But it used to be two years, and then they would come back for a second yes. year. Yes, and we have, still have uh, some uh, students who is going for the third year, as we said here, because we have to uh, catch up with it, uh, so to speak. So, at the time now, I think we have, I think we have twenty-three in the third year, as long as we are having a three-year course for the other ones who is younger so to speak so uh, we have quite a lot of students at rest now but uh, within a year or two i think we have to uh, the the old students yeah have gone through the three years i think so see i have to say i think the older course made more sense to me in that to do two years basic training then go off and shoot either on your own or with somebody else and then when you get some experience come back for the advanced stuff actually that's what i think too but we have, I think, we, it's not our thing to decide. Because no, it's we have, the government. That's a government thing. Every, every education should be three year now. So the, yeah, well, that's... Yeah, that's the educational 
stuff in Sweden, though. That and is, the, the yeah. problem with educationalists, mm. I won't be totally cynical and say that because they don't understand mm. education, but they certainly don't understand craft skills. They don't understand, and, and, and again, it's not just barriery, they don't understand how long it takes to acquire no. the dexterity, mm -hmm. the hand-eye coordination, mm -hmm. the feeling for shape, and you don't, you don't get that either from a book or even from a demonstration from a good teacher in college. Mm -hmm. you, you get it from... Practice. Yeah. A lot of practice. Mm -hmm. um, but anyway, I think the equivalent, uh, the, there is a similarity with your third year would be to try and train, as we would have it, associate level mm -hmm. in, in the UK. Mm -hmm. So for remedial shoeing and corrective shoeing. Mm -hmm. But you also have um, law in Sweden where, where those that have only done the two years cannot shoe horses with diseases or conditions. No, that, that's the, how it is nowadays. So, so you have to, if you have only, only two years education, mm -hmm. you can do it, yes, the standard shoeings. Yeah. But if something happens, uh, they have to ask, for, for example, me for help then, if there's some sort of abscesses or, or if you have uh, seduced horses or uh, sedated, sedated horses. horses, sedated yeah. horses, yeah, something like that. I like the term seduced horses, but I'll tell you what it means after. Okay, okay, okay. Probably, the, probably the wrong word. <laughs> yeah, okay, I know it. No, it popped up now. <laughs> okay, oh. probably on a stud farm we have seduced yeah, horses. Yeah, I hope yeah. so, I hope so. Um, mm. All right, so, so mm. that, that's interesting. I mean, it, it, that's an easy definition when they're sedated or not. Sedated. But mm. my, my problem is, so if you have to be in the third year, should we say, to repair cracks? Would yeah, that be right? yeah, that's right. But what about the tiny little crack? Well... At what point does it, in other words, what I'm saying I think is, that, at what that, point does it become corrective farrier? Really? Yeah, that's, that's a good point, actually. So there must be a grey area. That's a grey area, it is, it really is, yeah. And, and hopefully our two-year students know that much so they can know when to call for a more experienced farrier. Okay. Well, I, I like the fact that mm. you're encouraging people mm. to call in help because mm. that's a problem again in the farrier world worldwide that, yeah. that, that we resist asking our colleagues who are more expert in exactly. an area exactly. to give yeah. us some help. Mm. 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 So I'm glad they're encouraged to do that. Mm. And the other thing I'm really glad about is in the third year, uh, they tend to use my two volumes of corrective farriery they do as a textbook yeah, here they, in Sweden. They, that's and, our textbooks, uh, yeah, it is. So I'm obviously I'm really supportive <laughs> well, of your system here mm -hmm. because that's what those books were written for. Yeah, was for advanced mm -hmm. farriery. Mm -hmm. But I can see that the, the BYS school is, is a really successful school and you have a good culture. And uh, part of that culture has been developed by uh, our good friend and, and the head of the school, Gunilla. Yeah. Gunilla Afklein, if I'm... Gunilla Afklein, yes. Oh, I wasn't too far off. No, not that far. No, not that so far. tell us something about Gunilla's role. Gunilla is an amazing lady because she has put the last 20 years plus of her life to make this school, actually, because I, I think, personally, I think she, we, we, we wouldn't have this kind of school. We wouldn't have a school at all if it wouldn't hadn't been for Gunilla. She puts all her time and all her efforts to the school and taking very good care of both the school, the students and the employees. So, so yeah, I can't put her... She's very high up for me. Well, well I, I told you that I thought she was the mother of the school and you said to me, actually she's the mother of the farriers in Sweden. She is, she yeah. is. 
I think she is. She's the mother of the modern farrier in Sweden. She is. Yeah, well, she's looked mm. after me very well, and yeah. it's, it's mm. through Gunilla that I've had this great association yeah. with, uh, and, with and, the school. And the f Gunilla is not the farrier. No? No. So that's the. You know, she, but she's a horse lover, of course. Love horses and worked with horses all her life. So she took. She, she has. Uh, she dedicated to get us to be the best farrier school. Yeah. And that's uh, and I know that's ongoing. The mm. other thing I think her role, which is a, probably the toughest part of the role, mm. is being the interface between the school and, should we say, the college, the higher college management. And, that's right. In, and again, in all parts of the world, where it's through government schools or, mm. or, or larger organisations, mm. sometimes those organisations don't again really understand craft training no. and farriery. That's the problem. They don't have the passion that we have for. No. It. No. They don't. And, and she's the one that has to convince them at all times. She has to struggle quite hard for, to convince our heads in the organisation how important it is and how we work. Yeah. Because it is a, this is a practical trade. We have to practice all the time. And, and, and that takes some time and it costs little money, of course. Because yeah. you can't practice uh, shoemaking or horseshoeing on, on a distance on, or a line or something like that. So you have to have... Yeah, you have got to have it in the school actually. And I, I think again, it's true whether a farrier school is attached to an agricultural college, or sometimes a veterinary school or a university mm. around the world, they'll always say the farrier department is just about the most expensive. Yeah, it is. It's burning it is. fuel. Yeah. yeah. Buying yeah. in steel, mm -hmm. and uh, and and so of course those in control of the money mm -hmm. um, see this, and they are always saying. We need to we need to reduce the cost. Yeah, that's right. So, so I'm glad that Gunilla's fighting this battle she, on your she's, behalf. She's fighting very hard for it. Good. Well, we're we're going to keep supporting her. Yeah. Oh yes. Now at this point, uh, pair, we usually have a little bit of fun. So what I'd like you to do is to just tell me in Swedish. Uh, please hold your horse still so I can show it. Vad snälla håll ordning på din häst så jag kan there we go. I'll hold it still for you now. Oh, thank you, Thank sir. you. <laughs> I'm going to ask you some quick-fire questions. Okay. Fire up. Hot or cold? Cold. Loop knife or straight knife? Straight knife. Towing knife or nippers? Nippers. Chestnut or grey? Grey. Why is it everybody's against the chestnuts? I have some bruises from them. <laughs> that's my thing. <laughs> okay. Well, that's good. Um, now, I have to ask you quite a deep philosophical question, Pear. Mm -hmm. And I'd like you to tell me what is the greatest hurdle uh, that we have to overcome. The, the, <laughs> we have got a lot of hurdles, but I, as I see it, I think that uh, actually the, the lack of democracy in the world, actually, that's very philosophical. That is deep. Yeah, that's I think so. I think so. So that's very philosophical, I know that. That's very political. That's very political yeah. too, yes it is. Yes, um, it is. And so, but, but what about in farrier? What is the greatest hurdle that farriers have to overcome in their career? I think the, the one I personally struggle with in, in farrier in Sweden to try to get better uh, working conditions for the farriers, actually. Because there's still a lot of dangerous stables to work in. They are. It's getting better, but... Uh, it takes time to change that because I've seen a lot of farriers who is, uh, get uh, acute injuries, of course, but uh, even as, as we, as a little bit older farriers, we are mm. worn out. Yeah. Yeah. But, but cold stables, 
uh, bad floors to stand on, of course. And uh, as we live up in the north, it's very cold in the winter time. You you'll probably have to have a door open uh, just to get the light in. Yeah. And it's 10 minus something like that, 10, 10 below. So that's very, very cold to work at that way. So that, I think, is uh, the thing I try, try to, at least. If I know someone who's going to build a new stable, I, I'm always there and try to talk, tell them what we want to have. Safe place to stand and work with. Hmm. So are any of the stables in Sweden heated? No. Okay. Almost none. Almost none. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Because uh, for maybe the, in the north, I'm not sure, but the, I, I don't think even there. I, yeah, the, I mean, I I gave a demonstration further north than here in Vernamo about ten years ago, mm -hmm. and I think it was minus seventeen, which is in Fahrenheit, mm -hmm. below zero in Fahrenheit. I don't know. Oh yes, oh yes, minus five or minus something like that. Yeah, yeah, quite cold. Yes, it is. I have never been so cold in no, all my life. No. And that's when I was south of here, actually. Is it? Yeah. <laughs> it's but even it's south the, of here. But it's, it's in the yeah. middle, so it's... It's, it's, it's the highlands, let's say, yeah. yeah it's very cool. And uh, e even in the south of Sweden, where I worked, it was... You know, that's close to the sea. So we have... Even if it's not more than minus five or something like that, we have this damp, cold, wet environment everywhere. So I think that's the problem, actually, because this is where... This is where us out. Yeah. You get the... Um, Problem with your hands, elbows, knees, everything. Yeah. So I think through the farriers, that, that's a, it's a problem nowadays. It is, I think. Still is. Yeah. Okay. So tell me, what is your role at BIS or BYS? BYS, okay. The farrier school. I am, at the, since a couple of years back, I, have, and I am the chairman of the board for, yeah. for the school, with the horse part of the school. Yeah. Oh, I see. So not just the farriers. The, no, the, we have everything. The, the has equine the department. The equine department. Yeah, precise. Exactly. We have uh, we have some uh, teaching, rider teaching, educational that stuff too. But the farriers school is absolutely the biggest one. Of course, it is. So that's my role now, and uh, in that role, I have a lot of papers to sign, a lot of meetings to go on. So that's, uh, but I think that that's, the, I think it's a very important role because our board is, uh, there's trade people in it by the rules for, for uh, the uh, school we have. So there's trade people who knows what the trade and the business want. Yes. How many ferries, what type of ferries and so on. So that's a very good uh, place for me to work with but, um, questions I want to no, well, well we've, we've discussed about the bureaucracy, and I think here in Sweden it's as big as anywhere in the world. Oh, yes. But oh, yes. the pleasing thing is that there is a farrier at the head of a farrier school, so that's, that's, that's uh, good might, news. Might help a little bit, yeah. yeah, might be, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. and, and you used to teach at the school part-time? Yeah, part-time. And still, if, I, if necessary, I can get in for a couple of days. And uh, we were with uh, one of your, probably your newest instructor, a young lady. Yes. Uh, because one of the things in Sweden is just the high proportion now of female farriers that are coming in. There are, there are. I think that's uh, probably the most, we, we probably have the most female farriers in the world, I think, actually. Yeah. So at the school now, I don't have the correct figures, but uh, I presume that 70% is girls, yeah. ladies. And that is unusual mm. even in the Western world now. Mm. I mean, in, in the UK, it's probably only 10%. Yeah, I know, I know, yeah. 
Um, but uh, anyway, they, she she did a wonderful job. She did a demonstration of showing a trotting horse. Yeah. For me yeah. personally, I mean, yes, it was part of the business. It had mm -hmm. to come in and be shod, but mm -hmm. but. You, you kindly organised so that it all coincided yeah. that I was there. And we're very happy to have Amanda Landmark. We're very happy to have her because we have a lot of, of course, we have 70% of the female yeah. students. So it's good to have a girl working too. Yeah. I think she has, uh, it's easier to, to reach perhaps to yeah. the ladies. Well, she I was so. great. She did a wonderful she, job on the Oh, yes, she's she, very talented. Technically, she oh, yes. very, very good job. Very, very good. And not great hooves, it didn't have, did it? Broken up. Had a couple of issues with knocking. I mean, I don't really understand the trotting world. No. But it, it had got the biggest lump on its knee where it had been hitting it. Yeah, oh yes, it was a heat eater. And, yeah, uh, yeah, it was. and all sorts of issues that mm -hmm. she was working on. And the trainer had been really happy the way it had gone the last oh, yes. couple of months. Yeah, so yeah. that was good. Pear, I think we've, we've sort of come to the end of this conversation. Mm -hmm. You know, I just would like to say, because you've been part of my long association with, with Sweden and especially with the school. Yeah. Uh, I've met up with you here a number of times. Oh, yes. And L long time. travelled yeah, over yeah, to the yeah. UK. You know, uh, the school helped to organise a marvellous clinic for me. We had to put in extra seating in the lecture yeah, theatre, which very, always makes me feel good. Oh, yes. I was, I was very happy about that. I think we were 104 people. In the, yeah, yeah, and I think the, the lecture theatre only holds 90. So yeah, sounds like that. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, there was a load of seats put up the aisleways mm -hmm. and, and what have you. So that was really good. Mm -hmm. Again, thank you for your hospitality. I know thank that you. you and Gunilla are now going to take me off to look at a Swedish castle. Yeah, we are. So, so we I've are. got a free day. Yeah. Um, so once more, thank you for the conversation. Okay, Th thank you for having me. So we've just heard from Pear and we've heard about how he is the chairman of the board of the oldest farrier school in the world and not just farriery comes under him but other departments at the school in Skara and it was quite interesting to talk to him about a three-year apprenticeship because sometimes we seem to think that the UK is the only place that has a long apprenticeship but Sweden has just moved from a two-year apprenticeship with an additional voluntary third year for those that wish to engage in remedial shoeing. And now it's become uh, an established three-year program. Of course, Sweden has many differences to the rest of the world. Uh, one of them is shoeing in such a cold climate in the winter, and uh, Per covered that. Uh, I'm not sure if I could survive a winter in Sweden. I have been there in the winter. I do really prefer to go in the summer. I hope you've enjoyed this latest podcast and the slightly new formula that we've come up with. We'd like to thank Hoofcare Essentials Foundation and their partners for sponsoring this episode. You can find out more information at hoofcareessentials.com. You can follow more of Simon's work on Instagram and Facebook at Dr. Simon Curtis. To get in contact, please email thehoofofthehorse at gmail.com. And for everything else, go to drsimoncurtis.com. Thanks for listening. <laughs>